Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. for every single player to be good that's the offseason that's fantasy football but today we are giving you eight names eight names that we're avoiding that we're not drafting and that's exactly the advice we're telling you today hey winks how do you feel you said low-key this is one of your favorite shows to do <laughs> yeah everyone everyone says like oh the busting it's not personal it's, it's the adps that we hate it's not the players no for me i hate these players they were hitting on my wife they came in try to they kicked my cat so, right. yeah, this is personal for me. Right. They have aggrieved you in the past. Um, a lot of these names span the entire draft board. Uh, I'm excited to outline these, but don't worry. We've been really positive in the past. We've given you sleepers at basically every single position. Hopefully, you all are subscribed to the channel, have checked out those videos as well. I have four names today. Hayden has four names of players that we are just avoiding in our underdog drafts this summer. Why don't we kick it off with J.K. Dobbins? He's been in the news, Hayden Winks. Yeah, so this is can kind of be shown out in a couple different ways. We'll start with the injury first. And for me, when uh, Ian Rappaport says that he's not a lock to be ready for week one, I'm taking it pretty serious. I know J.K. Dobbins fought back, but a lot of these players are overly optimistic. It's just part of their genetics. That's how they become a NFL mm -hmm. football player in the first place. And then he went, went out and doubled down. This also lines up with the actual injury we were talking about. One thing I've learned over the couple of years doing fantasy football stuff is to not pretend that an ACL injury is like an ACL injury. This has an, another ligament attached to it. It's actually one of the, the, the least common uh, multiple ligament injuries. And that's actually a very serious injury. So even if J.K. Dobbins is ready for week one, which I would say is probably around 50-50, I'm not sure if we're going to get the same exact J.K. Dobbins here. They are going to be using a rotation. I know this is something that you wanted to bring up. Is This offense is built using multiple running backs. And yes, they run the ball a lot as a team. But a large part, part of that is Lamar Jackson himself. So I think there's a little bit of a narrative even against the Ravens running backs in general where we think that they're, they use their running backs more than they do, at least for fantasy purposes. So before we get into that element, let's continue down this injury path because as we know, the Ravens were in a very tricky position at the running back position last season. J.K. Dobbins went down, then almost immediately after that, Gus Edwards went down. Um, they had no backups. This is why we got Tyson Williams. This is why we got Devontae Freeman and basically everyone else. It all sucked. Do you think that if we can read into just a little bit of what the Ravens have done at the position this offseason, just kind of like covering their tails yeah, with the Corey, to. yeah, the Corey Clement signing, the Tyler Bat Beatty draft pick. Like there's a couple more pieces in there as well. Plus, I think they've already come out and said that Gus Edwards is questionable for week one. We know that J.K. Dobbins, who I believe is going as a running back 22 right now in underdog fantasy, is is uh, on the active pup list. To me, that's like the Edwards designation is one slot below J.K. Dobbins. And maybe these like outside pieces, plus Mike Davis, we need to throw in that name as well, are 
with the mindset that J.K. Dobbins is going to be ready for week one, but like the absolute worst case scenario is they can fall back to these veterans who have played in multiple environments in the past. If you're the Ravens, you have J.K. Dobbins. You think he's going to be a really good player, but he's still very young. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations as soon as this year. I don't think they're, they are going to be rushing him back. This entire offseason, they said they're not going to be rushing him back. And I think that they view Mike Davis as a capable veteran. They drafted this other uh, rookie, uh, Tyler Beatty, who was kind of a three-down player in college. He's a viable option. So I don't think they're going to be rushing him back. And I think, that, like we said, going back to just the Ravens in general, Last year, they were 29th in expected fantasy points per game to their running backs. I know that they were passing the ball more in general, but I think that some of the health is the reason why, and I'm not fully banking in that J.K. Dobbins is going to be an elite player this year. This might be another season. We might be talking in 2023 as a bounce-back candidate, uh, and I think that I was looking back at J.K. Dobbins, even when he was fully healthy, uh, his last nine games when he became the starter, he was averaging 72 rushing yards, 0.8 rushing touchdowns in less than one reception. Even if we're getting that J.K. Dobbins, and that was a healthy yeah. J.K. Dobbins, that was him with like what six yards per carry. J.K. Dobbins, we're still talking about an RB two here. You know, like something about the entire offense would have to change. Where where I'm going to look back and be like, damn, I was really fading J.K. Dobbins. I think that he has RB two potential, but I think that might be later in the season. In this kind of range, I'd rather go after a couple players down. Elijah Mitchell, give me one of the elite quarterbacks. Give me one of these like boom bust wide receiver types rather than J.K. Dobbins right now. It's really trying to piece together multiple facets of multiple years because you outlined what J.K. Dobbins did to their, during the final year of his rookie contract. We can't really take what the Ravens did as a rushing team last year because of how bad the talent was and also how bad the offensive line was, you know, and I, it's tough for me to get it out of my head that they wouldn't have gone out and added maybe more talent if they thought JK was going to miss time, but I'm with you. Like in this area, there are some pieces that I just, because so many people focus on at large, the Ravens rushing attack and how dominant it can be without maybe understanding the details and the nuances of it. Cause I think if he was healthy, maybe at the ADP, he would have been at, you still might've been out on that. Outcome. Yes. He would have been on my fade list. I think either way, I mean, he averaged less than one reception a game, you know, like it's very, very, very hard to be a fantasy, like an elite smashing fantasy running back if you're only averaging one two catches a game like you have to be like literally derrick henry and good luck trying to find the next derrick henry okay i reached out to t-strack he has his finger on the pulse and he said many of the same things that you did and it's just questions like they are being so secretive of all the injury updates and it makes sense after how you know last offseason played out the running back spot that they just kind of want to under promise and over deliver probably at that position okay you have jk dobbins I have another back coming off injury who's also sharing a backfield with another injured player. Let's talk about Travis Etienne at a uh, running back 16. That's the third round ADP, man. And so much to me of where he's being drafted right now, it's factored in that James Robinson is going to miss time um, because James Robinson doesn't even have to be good to diminish Travis Etienne's value. He just has to be present right? He just has to be out there on the field. I'm not here to argue that James Robinson is going to be back to his best as an undrafted free agent that we saw enter the league and be really good, even coming off an Achilles injury. What I'm saying is that him already being on the field is important for certain roles and certain situations that maybe they pulled Travis Etienne off the field for. Number one, passing downs. Like we talked about this. Travis Etienne outstanding receiver this is why urban meyer and that team targeted him and it's because he's explosive with the ball in his hands and caught so many passes 
from Trevor Lawrence coming out of Clemson. But who is the player that they trust in pass pro situations when the defense sends five or six, an extra man, and a Jaguars offensive line that really struggled to lock that down and match up for blocking-wise last year? James Robinson is a trusted player in that environment. And so just, again, him being present to me, Hayden, third-round ADP is super rich. I wonder if we're going to go back to the round four slash five ADP we got for Travis Etienne because he is being drafted around right above like all those wide receivers questions like Gabe Davis, A-Rob, Cortland Sutton, but also right along with players who have massive workloads like James Conner and ahead of Cam Akers. And I just can't wrap my brain around that right now. Yeah, I think the easiest argument here is he was once being drafted in the 50s. Now he's drafted in the mid-30s. And I think just because James Robinson avoids the PUP list, which, first of all, shout out to, to, to James Robinson for returning, and then also shout out to you for being on top of this and being more optimistic than I was. But just because other people drafted him in the 50s, and he's you're paying the, the highest price, and I think it's going to end up coming down. I'm, I would be surprised if Travis Etienne... I don't know, it's going to be like the 45th instead of 35th overall. So just wait a couple of weeks if you want to be drafting Travis Etienne. And I'm with you. He was more or less not a gadget running back. I think he's more than that. He can be more than that. But we don't know what this coaching staff thinks of him. We don't know what his own transition is. I think that he has some ceiling here, which makes me a little bit nervous putting on the bus list. But I'm with you. To me, he's a late fourth round upside play. Round three, man, like 35 overall. And I'm, I'm not out on Travis Etienne as the talent. Like, I think he's going to have explosive plays in a best ball yes. format that's that's probably better. We could say the same thing for maybe Brees Hall as well. Like, these big, massive gains, which James Robinson is not accustomed to, that can help us out tremendously. But it's going to go back to round four, maybe even to round five, where we're at when we see more and more James Robinson as we go along. And the other aspect of this is not just the passing downs where James Robinson is going to be the, the pass pro specialist, potentially. It's also inside the 20 and inside the 10. I mean, James Robinson handled 24 touches in the red zone, 17 carries, excuse me, 10 carries inside the 10-yard line last year. The next closest running back was Carlos Hyde at 10 and three carries for himself. Like, do we think in those short yard situations that they might move away from J-Rob and go to Etienne? Possibly. But if the guy who's already done it in the past that the team self-evaluated and really didn't add a big free agent when they were spending a lot on or a high-profile draft pick when they had a bunch of those on extra running back, Etienne's also coming off a Liz Frank injury. I just think that the presence of J-Rob should diminish how we currently view or how he's currently being drafted in Travis Etienne. Yep. Who do we have next? Is it my turn? It is your turn. And we got to talk tight ends. Dalton Schultz. So this one's pretty damn easy for me. Uh, you can wait two picks and just draft, you know, Joe Burrow, which who's going like as the quarterback six or seven versus this tight end six or seven. Uh, Dalton Schultz projects, I think, reasonably well. I would be very surprised if Dalton Schultz is a complete bust. But I think how I'm phrasing this bust thing is what are the odds I'm actually going to regret uh, not drafting Dalton Schultz in this tier? There are so many more upside plays in this tier. And I think that Dalton Schultz might end up being like a low end tight end one. The reason why is last year against man coverage, he only had a 1.0 yards per route run. He was a zone beater. I think that is a, a very skillful role. Dalton Schultz is good at that. Dak Prescott is good at finding him, but that means that he has to have a ton of volume to pay off this ADP. Uh, and even last year, he was 76 and better in best ball points per game. He's going ahead of that. I, I know it's because of Mari Cooper leaves, 
But man, he has to become more athletic and just be be able to beat man coverage better to to out outperform this ADP. And I'd rather just roll the dice on Dawson Knox, who's actually the inverse of this, who was shredded against man coverage, who could get better against zone coverage as he just develops and gets some more chemistry. I'd rather punt this thing off. Give me TJ Hawkinson later. Give, give me, uh, uh, we're talking about um, David and Joker. Give me those types here in this mid sixties, man. Like I would rather just draft Joe Burrow. And I know I have a quarterback one. Uh, I just not as sold on Dalton Schultz, the actual town here. 69th overall Dalton Schultz is being drafted as, by the way, we have a free draft guide posting on August 1st. If you're watching this video after that date, I'll retroactively link uh, the draft guide down below so you all can check it out. Um, we basically have Dawson Knox neck and neck with Dalton Schultz. And I think we it's because we are drafting Dalton Schultz at his peak. Like when we went back and did that Titans ranking show, we watched a ton of film on every single one of these players. The one who failed to stand out from a pure physical and talent and skill perspective, it was Schultz. I mean, so much of it was off-play action, delayed releases. I mean, he had the 21st lowest ADOT last season among all tight ends who you know actually played for their teams. Like you just go and you see phenoms over and over and over again, guys beating man coverage as you outlined. And that's just not Dalton Schultz's game. And you know, for a team that in portions of last year at least had CD Lamb and Amari Cooper, other times they had all three, including Michael Gallup in that. It's much easier for me to get behind Dalton Schultz in there when you have all three of those guys creating space all the way down the field and Dalton Schultz underneath. But now you don't have that, right? Like, yeah, but I, I'm always on team volume over like the the like more space to work with. I just think just like if Dalton Schultz was really good, I think the Cowboys would have paid him. They have the second most cap space in the league right now. He's playing on the franchise tag. He's asking for long term, long term. They're not giving him, and they're not giving it to him. And they have the cap space to do it. I also think that that extra cap space, like yes, we're projecting for a lot of volume right now. I think the Cowboys are on that short list of like, all right, where could Julio Jones possibly go to? Will Fuller, somebody else, a yeah. veteran name out there, where some of this like projected volume all of a sudden gets taken away. I just think ultimately the price is too high, man. Like if you're you're drafting Schultz twelve spots after George Kittle. Like, how is that a good investment? Yeah, I'm with you. And why don't I just talk about a tight end who's on my list to knock that position out? I go with TJ Hawkinson, who's being drafted as a tight end seven right after Dalton Schultz. Now it's about 20 picks later. Like there's a big cliff in terms of drafts right now on underdog. But if we just talked and asked the question, if Dalton Schultz is an elite talent, I understand TJ Hawkinson was drafted as one. But have we seen that on the field as of this time? You know, and if he's not one, do we think that this passing game in the Lions is going to be great? It was great for one player last year in Amon Ross St. Brown when Dan Campbell took over as the play caller. But if we parse through potentially why that was, is because basically all of the middle of the field targets were evaporated and that were all funneled over to Amon Ra. Um, I mean, the Lions are spicy. Don't get me wrong. I really like them. But when you're drafting in best ball and an underdog specifically this summer, Aren't you just as likely to take three tight ends if you draft TJ Hawkinson as a tight end seven as you would be as Dawson Knox as the tight end nine, Zach Ertz as a tight end 10, Pat Fryermuth as a tight end 12? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand the difference of 20 to 30 spots between those picks and going after T. Hawkinson, who's in a worse, probably passing offense than both Ertz and both Dawson Knox and having to pay up for that price. Yeah, last year, Hawkinson was 80th and better in best ball points per game. He was the tight end 13 against 
man coverage and yards per route run out of 23 qualifiers. So the average in uh, the tight end 11 versus zone. So I'm with you. I think that Hawkinson's an above average starter. I'm not sure if he's going to be a top five player at the position, um, at least receiving when it comes to fantasy. And those, some of those numbers, I think are going to be impacted with more target competition coming there. Obviously, Monroe St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, DJ Shark. Uh, if we do get Jamison Williams in December, I think all of that would negatively impact TJ Hawkinson. So he's definitely not one of these tight ends I'm looking for. They like with both Schultz and Hawkinson, man, like Tony Pollard's right there. Like we're talking about like league winning picks potentially right there. And I don't think there's that much upside. I think we're like, if you're drafting Hawkinson, you're hoping he turns into like the tight end five on the season, tight end four on the season. I'm not right. sure if we're ever going to get him to like the Kyle Pitts territory here. So if, if I am finding one of those guys, give me David and Joku. Like, like I'm just going to punt the position all the way off and play the, the ping pong, uh, touchdown variance uh way to attack this position really. if you're drafting three of those david and joku evan ingram throw in a couple other names if you want to that's potential and yeah just putting perspective where hawkinson is going and this is a comment on tight end seven that's right after to me a very sweet spot for quarterbacks trey lance tom brady dak prescott cool i can lock up my position right there with back-to-back selections if i wanted to and you threw in a running back and tony pollard i'll throw in a wide receiver like brain Ayuk or Kadarius tony Fun players in that environment. Yeah. And again, I will take TJ Hawkinson if these ADPs change and he then falls after Dallas Goddard and Dawson Knox and Zach Ertz. But and that's happening a little bit. But again, just when we're looking at current ADPs right now, that's uh that's 20 spots. Okay, we got a few more to go. Hayden, why don't you talk about flipping over the Raiders section of the program? Hunter Info, watch out, cover your airs, Las Vegas. Well, this is not even a anti Raiders thing. <laughs> I'm 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 basically saying don't draft Hunter Renfro right now at 80th overall. If you're going to draft a Raiders, get your exposure through Derek Carr, who's going 107th overall. I'm looking at a column um, I called mispriced quarterbacks, and what it's looking at is how many of their pass catchers are being drafted ahead of the quarterback. And there's only a couple of uh, pass catcher quarterbacks with three of their pass catchers going ahead of them. It's like Tom Brady with Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, Russell Gage, which I don't know. I don't understand how that's happening. And then Derek Carr has a, I don't know, a second first or second round wide receiver, a fourth round tight end, and then Hunter Renfro. Yet he goes in round 10, round nine. Like I would just draft Derek Carr if I'm going to be messing around with the Hunter Renfro. There were some splits last year. Um, he averaged about two and a half, uh, half PPR points per game without Darren Waller and same thing with Henry Ruggs. There was even some splits with the Henry Ruggs and Henry Ruggs wasn't even a target accumulator like uh, Devonte Adams is. So I think Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I think he's going to be a wide receiver for, I think he's not going to be all of a sudden be completely useless, but like, what are the upside cases here? We kind of saw the best, what it can be last year. He would have to have Darren Waller and Devonte Adams miss some time here. Yeah. And Hunter Renfro is being drafted as the wide receiver 38 80th overall at the moment. I even look at, you know, I always do targets inside the 10 yard line, high value targets, right? Devonte Adams last year was third in the league with 14 Hunter Infro was fourth with 13. In fact, I believe Hunter Infro led the league in percent of team targets inside of the 10 yard line. He's fantastic in those short spaces. We know he has those triple or quadruple moves he puts on in isolation or in short spaces, but now you throw in Devontae Adams, who's also incredible there. 10 touchdowns on 14 targets. You throw in Darren Waller, who in previous years was used as an ISO wide receiver on the outside, getting to the back of the end zone from the slot as well, detached from the line of scrimmage. There's just so many more places 
the team can go that those, again, high value target areas where Hunter Info scored eight touchdowns on 13 targets do not have to be in his direction. I'm not out on the on the player. Like, in fact, we outlined this in our wide receiver rankings show. Believe Devontae Adams and Hunter Infro were ninth and tenth in slot targets last year. I don't expect Devontae to line up in the slot as frequently out in Las Vegas. I would expect Hunter Infro to keep that role. But again, just the big six point touchdowns are pretty important for fantasy football. Don't expect as many of those opportunities to be funneled towards Renfro's direction. Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, too big, too good in the red zone. So yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, if we talked about the wide receiver room for the Raiders, why not the uh the running back room for the Raiders. Uh, this note from our beloved Charles Robinson stood out to me, who just visited Raiders camp. Quote, health permitting, running back is going to be exactly what you think. It will end up being a situational committee, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the position get entirely revamped next offseason. If you hate how the Patriots use backs, look away. It will be similar. Um one, I loved how the Patriots used running backs last year because we got the Damian Harris season. But I want to throw in there's a couple of wrinkles in there. Uh, one, health permitting. Josh Jacobs has never been healthy. Like, he plays games, but he's always banged up. Two, the position will get entirely revamped next offseason. Josh Jacobs, final year of his contract, and absolutely no one close to that organization right now is suggesting that the Raiders are going to bring him back. So not only do you have Josh Jacobs in the fold, you have Kenyon Drake in the fold. You drafted Zamir White, who was a really talented recruit who dog who constantly injured at Georgia, but there's already been some really positive buzz saying, Hey, the staff might view him to take over towards the later part of the years. And to throw another wrench into this, you had him Brandon Bolden, who's a star special teamer. We even saw last year when James White and some other pieces weren't trusted that Brandon Bolden not even played passing situations. He also played in red zone situations. So all of that combined at running back 22 when your favorites in Eli Mitchell, when we can throw in Antonio Gibson, who's heavily devalued right now, or upside backs who are you know splitting backfields like A.J. Dillon and, and Tony Pollard. I'd rather invest in all of them than Josh Jacobs. He would have been a three down back, you know, by now, like there was every opportunity for the Raiders to make him a three down back. And they just never decided to do that. And I think that they've invested more into the position this year than they have in previous seasons. So I'm with you last year. He was 70th in better and best ball points per game, which is basically my fantasy points over replacement metric. And that's where he's going in drafts right now. And I think that the, probably the best we've seen, from Josh Jacobs is in the past, and I can see like what Charles Robinson was was implying is maybe late in the season, Zamir White is starting to pop up a little bit. I will note Zamir White has not been practicing a training camp right. for no reason, and, and Kenyon Drake is still recovering from uh, his foot injury. Um, but I'm with you. The offensive line is not nearly as good. There was a couple seasons in a row where Josh Jacobs had like what a top five offensive line. Oh, this, yeah. this year's offensive line is, is, is a little bit worrisome. So, yeah, just... I would wait for Antonio Gibson. Um, I would wait, like you said, if you like AJ Dillon, Tony Pollard, I would swing for the fences there. I like Melvin Ing- or Melvin Gordon. I like all those type of backs like a round or two later. Yeah, just looking at our draft guide, which again is going to post on Monday, we have Josh Jacobs right around the running back 25, running back 24 mark, and that's a few spots after ADP. And look, i am always been a big fan of Josh Jacobs' talent. Like I always thought he could do more in the receiving game when given those opportunities, not just at Alabama, but here with the Raiders, he had, you know, 
nearly 1,100 yards in two straight years just on the ground. Um, but I think his time is over, as C-Rob outlined, and there are just too many cooks in the kitchen at the moment. And I'm drafting, like you said, even if he's not practicing right now, a lot of Zamir White in round 17 or 18 to be that fifth or sixth running back on my underdog fantasy teams. And by the way, what are you doing this summer other than drafting in Best Ball Mania 3? We're making three millionaires out there. Two $1 million prizes, one $2 million prize. It's a beautiful time. If you've never played, you just draft, and that's it. We set your optimal lineup for you. Go check out the draft streams that we have, a bunch of the other videos down below on the channel. Hopefully, you're subscribed and enter promo code the show, and we match your first deposit. Okay, six minutes, two more names. This one's a glut of names. Let's talk about all the players, uh, Hayden, that have climbed ADPs since that best ball Mania 3 tournament launched in the first week in May. So this is specifically for Best Ball Mania 3, not the puppies, not your redraft league, just for Best Ball Mania 3 because that's been open this entire time. And I think we need to factor in a little bit what other teams, where other teams were drafting these players. And this is the top 10 players who have been moving up the ranks. Mike Williams used to be a 48th overall player. Now he's going up to 28th overall. Travis Etienne's up huge. Russell Gage used to be 110th overall. Now you're drafting 70th overall. How are you supposed to compete with those teams? I apologize. That's Cortland Sutton, Michael Pittman. I didn't realize Michael Pittman used to be a 44th overall player. Now he goes in the, the 28 range. Uh, Aaron Jones moved up slightly. Saquon, Justin Jefferson, Steph Diggs, CMC, uh, Alan Lazard's moved up. Gabe Davis has moved up. So I think it's just something to keep in mind here. Not for the puppies, not for your redraft leagues, but I think in Best Ball Mania 3 in particular, you got to keep in mind uh, when other players were drafted, like I did a study like with Daryl Henderson uh, from last year, he used to be a 12th uh, round pick. Then he uh, can makers tears his Achilles. Now he's going in the, the fifth, sixth round. How much of an impact does that make? And later on the season, it's about like four or five points per week. And that's going to end up mattering quite a bit hmm. once you get into uh, the best ball playoffs. Okay. Question to play devil's advocate here. Cause I always have a bit of a difficult time grasping my head around this one though. We aren't amazing at spite let's say everyone else they're not amazing at pinpointing great talents and great producers every single year because like what if for example Debo Samuel saw a climb of 20 spots last year during offseason drafts best ball mania two Cooper Cup the same thing this advice might say just to stay away from those same talents you know I don't think that that would have been advisable because we know how great those producers were at the end of the year. Does that question make sense? Yeah, but like that's like the benefit of hindsight analysis that like, totally. oh yeah, just like draft Cooper Cup this year. He moved up. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, like I made the case that Michael Pittman could be this year's Cooper Cup. Um, I would just go out of my way when the next puppy launches, which I think is going to be a $1 million puppy. Um, that's where I'm going to get my Michael Pittman exposure. Uh, draft Michael Pittman, Scott Fishbowl. Draft him in your home league. And maybe this is the time where like, all right, I'm debating between T Higgins and Mike Williams. Since T Higgins has always been around this price, I'm going to lean towards T Higgins here. Travis Etienne or Zeke. Give me Zeke in this tournament because uh, some of those other Travis Etienne things. So I don't think it's the biggest thing in the world here, but I think that you should be keeping this in mind. And if there's a huge injury um, from a running back this year, we're going to have to play this game as well. And that's where I'll, we'll go back and pull up the Daryl Henderson uh, case study I did from last year. We outlined how that Travis Etienne ADP might boomerang all the way back to around 50 overall. Yeah, if we could scroll down just a little bit. Kadarius Tony, I apologize. Ty Davis Price, I apologize. Uh, there's a few. How is Joshua Palmer not on this list? How is Chris Evans not on this list, Hayden? My guys, 
Nico Collins, I apologize. I'm just trying to take credit for some of these. Who's how are we drafting Dalton Schultz as high? How is he rising? This makes no sense. <laughs> Week 17? No. Who are they playing? <laughs> Who are they playing? No one's no, stacking it's pro- that it's game. It's probably the stack of people not being able to get CD Lamb and Dak Prescott. And instead of getting Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz, even though that their ADPs are somewhat close. Okay. We have one more, just a few minutes left. And you all knew it was coming. Tua Tungo Vailoa as the quarterback 17. A couple phrases and phases to this. This is not to me as simple as Mike McDaniel coming from the San Francisco 49ers and being like, oh yeah, Tua can just do what, what Jimmy can do. No, dude, they went in totally different areas of the field. For all my qualms of Jimmy Garoppolo's game, you have to have an arm, you have to be willing, you have to have confidence to throw in the trash in the middle of the field. And Jimmy did it constantly, almost better than anyone throughout the league. Look at where two is this. It's a blind spot over the middle. So that's one. I don't think we can just take the 49ers and say, oh, that was a good offense. That means the Miami's going to have a good offense. Two, they had a Toronto Armstead, but I think that there are still some viable questions on a top half of the league offensive line with Tua. Also, what are the upside outcomes here? This is not a dude who throws down the field into it. In fact, he was 35th among all passers last year in 20 plus yards percent of his attempts. He's also not someone who's going to run the football. He's not someone who has, you know, a 600 rushing yards, seven touchdown outcome in, in the ranges for him. Uh, he's also not going to be a 3.15 hold on to the football, run around, throw it to Tyreek Hill down the field. So there's like a bunch of areas of this where, Yes, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, love them as talents, but all their A dots should come down based on what we saw for the Dolphins offense last year, the type of passer Tua has produced so far this year. And without the big plays, has not been in his back pocket, was it Alabama? So maybe that's a possible avenue. I just would be skeptical of it in the same vein that we've seen a lot of big time throwers in the league and how they do it versus what Tua has shown to do it once in a while and on occasion in the past. Are you drafting Tyreek Hill at the two, three turn? Are you drafting Jalen Waddle in the middle of round four? And if you have drafted them, are you then open to Tua? Because I don't think anyone's going out of their way, uh, going to bat for two necessarily i think it's like those those pass catchers that you just named like i almost am on my list in in the draft guy i'm writing about him as a fade of mine is i'm not drafting tyreek hill and i think most of it is because of of tua but if you do draft tyreek like i think some people are going to want some exposure to tua so what do you do in that situation i'm much closer to adp for tyreek than i am for for jalen waddle and some people might have it the opposite direction um now we've 100% 100% outlined why Tyreek Hill almost certainly isn't going to reach the heights that he did in Kansas City. Again, he had 25 deep targets last year. Jalen Waddle had the most on the Dolphins, and, and that was at 12. It was also the shortest A dot of Tyreek's career uh, since his rookie season at 11. Waddle had a 7 A dot. Like, I understand your phrasing. It's a good question. I probably don't have a Great answer to it. Don't draft um, any of them. There's your answer. No, I, I think I would still draft Tyreek and look to stack the other pieces. Look to stack the other pieces that I have with the wide receiver in round two or the wide receiver I have in the round three or the tight ends that I have in that range. Because I'm just trying to avoid two. And the other part of this, you know this, my, my highest drafted quarterback this summer in employee drafts is Trevor Lawrence, who's going one spot after to right. a tongue of our low because I can talk myself into so many 
larger outcomes for Trevor Lawrence this year than I can for Tua as just an individual scorer at that position. Yeah, to me, it's also about the scheme, slow pace. Is it run heavy? There's a big rotation. There's a, a lot of stuff. This is probably the most inexperienced coaching staff in the league, too. There's a whole lot of things that uh, are question marks for the Dolphins. So I'm probably not they're, they're probably the team that I'm going to draft the least of all the positions. Okay. Well, we've pissed off every single fan base out there. If you're still with us and you like us, you know what to do. Hit like, hit subscribe, even that notification bell. Really, our pitch to you, August is a massive month. We want to now and in the future be a part of your football content consumption because hopefully, at least for me, when I listen to Hayden, I learn something. I'm sure you all too. Okay. Again, Monday, Draft Guide is coming out. It's free. It will be linked down below in this video, but obviously we'll be blasting it on all of our social media accounts I'll be back here on Thursday with the great Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar himself. For Hayden, I am Josh. Chat, we appreciate you as always. Up the villa. We will talk to you all soon.